You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode down at the Choctaw Cultural Center in Durant today with my guest, cultural educator and student seems like you're always a student i'm sure it probably feels like that <laughs> looking back at you by you've been a student and you're doing multiple things all the time uh, which we'll get into but my guest today is teada begay uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to come and sit with us and share some uh, fantastic stories yeah thank you it's a uh, you know i'm really happy to be here really excited and yeah there's always something to learn definitely for sure so you know, we just kind of a little bit of a chat before we start recording, uh, as I do with pretty much all of my guests, which is the fun part of my job. Um, I just call this a job. It's really not a job. It's actually more of just fun to do and a hobby, but um, Best ones. it definitely doesn't <laughs> feel like a job. Um, but you have a really unique kind of perspective of this building we're in today. Yeah. Right? Tell me about it. Well, uh, the Choctaw Cultural Center in Durant, Oklahoma, I believe we're coming up on our uh, second year anniversary. Um, but yeah, for a while I worked here as a, the cultural, the education coordinator. 
So uh, you take a tour, um, you know, I helped develop that. Um, being one of the first in here, you know, it was really fun to get to know the community, a lot of the people involved with learning the stories, um, making the exhibits, creating the displays, kind of see it, seeing it being built and put together. It was really a cool experience. Uh, you know, um, a little bit scary at some times, because sure. as I mentioned, I, I was in here maybe a week alone by myself. We did kind of have some Night of the Museum moments of, you know, we've got some pretty, you know, old stuff in here, but, you know, um, nothing bad, something, you know, good, you know, like I said, something always to learn. So, yeah, it's a really exciting place. Um, you need to definitely spend a couple hours here, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I need to come back and just just wipe the day and spend the entire day down here because there's so much stuff to do. Uh, I just had lunch and... It is fantastic over there. Uh, so very highly recommend anybody coming here to stop in for lunch. Uh, but a bit more about, obviously, you you have a love for education. Um, we'll get into that. But tell, tell us a little bit about kind of you and your origin story and, and where you grew up and, and how you kind of get to where we are today. Yeah. Well, I'll to introduce myself again. My name is Tiada B. Gay. I am originally from Ada, Oklahoma. Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Taos Pueblo. Okay. Um, you know, born and raised Ada, Oklahoma. I was a an Ada Cougar. And then, um, you know, as I kind of grew up, I was Oklahoma Sooner for a while. And then uh, an Arizona State Sun Devil. And then now I'm a Baylor Bear. So like I said, always, uh, you know, something to learn. Um, I'm currently in my doctoral program studying learning and organizational change where I still am um, as we just mentioned you know working here opened my eyes to a lot what museums and cultural centers uh, more specifically uh, sovereign owned tribally owned cultural centers what they can do and how you know the state and just kind of anybody can benefit and learn um, so I'm still focusing on that I've got some dissertation writing happening lots of fun on the flip side, when I'm not a student, you know, I'm also a mom. Got two little boys. Um, my husband's from the Navajo Nation, so there's uh, tons of cultural diversity there. Um, not only, you know, being a lifelong learner of, you know, modern day academia, but also tribal languages. Uh, picking up some slang here and there, you know, jokes, that kind of thing. Um, learning some of our cultural histories, our stories, our upbringings. And that's very important to my husband and I is when we make, when we reach those different milestones in our lives that we want to take the time to step back, honor, represent them, because that is what, you know, what made us and brought us here. Um, in my fun time, I'm also a powwow dancer. Mm -hmm. Um, it is a contemporary style of Native American dance. Um, I've been immersed in that style ever since I could walk. Although, you know, I can dance any style of dance, my heart for sure is where um, the women's fancy dance style is. It's one of the most contemporary, um, latest forms of dance style in the Powell world. Um, and it's an upbeat, fast-paced. Uh, there's not really any right or wrong way to dance the style, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, it's definitely got to go give her for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so many things to expand on. Uh, growing up in Ada, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, geez, I 
I don't, I don't know. You know, I've always, um, you know, one of those wildest dream moments. I've, I've traveled a lot. I've always been immersed in different cultures. Um, not just traveling for powwow, but my family used to always say, oh, hey, you know, we're going to Minneapolis, Minnesota. What's there to do there? Where are the historical places? What happened here? What tribes around here? And so there's much more than just, you know, traveling to a spot and sightseeing. There's also the different tastes, the different flavors, um, indigenously, the different, uh, you know, sounds, the different styles of decor. So there's, you know, there's so much within that. And so growing up, something I really wanted to do is be kind of like a travel tourist or a cultural tourist. So, you know, not exactly what I had in mind, but it's still, a, you know, a lot of fun with what I get to do. Pretty similar. I'd say, you know, I partially made it. <laughs> I mean, you travel a lot. So, yeah, I think we're we're very close to uh, to what, you know, like just, you said, maybe not what you initially thought, but you're still traveling. A lot, yeah, just so maybe don't get paid for it as much. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you went from Ada, so you went from high school to straight to OU yes what was the thought going to OU just think like did you have any direction at that point you just think I'm just gonna go because and just get a general degree or did you know that I want to be in education and, and kind of go that route honestly you know I really am a first generation student okay. um my parents you know always pushed me to go and get my education you know once you uh provide for yourself you have that backbone mm-hmm. you can really do whatever you want to do um, so I graduated in 2012 um, as an Ada Cougar and kind of, you know, like I said, listen to my parents. They said go to school. So that's kind of all I really knew is go to school. Um, I actually won a very prestigious scholarship as a senior. I won the Gates Millennium Scholarship. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's a very, like I said, a prestigious award where it could really take mm-hmm. care of me uh, academically for up to 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not something that comes around very often. And even though my parents always said, you know, go to school, go to school, we never really thought about, you know, that that financial burden of what that takes. So I guess that's kind of why I'm still in school is because I don't want to have any regrets for, you know, a free, awesome education. So I really wanted to do the most with it. Yeah. So um, at the University of Oklahoma, I was highly involved with the um, Native American student organizations. Um, I even got to play my part as Miss Indian OU for uh, for a while. Um, and then, you know, starting to get more into the indigenous community and uh, the presence of Native American students in higher education, that's kind of where my interest started to fall. So, you know, once I graduated, um, I was also working for the student affairs at U- University of Oklahoma for a while. And, um, you know, I started looking into master's degree. And then, like I said, kind of uh, with what I was doing there, education policy kind of kind of fit the fit the plan. Um, never really been out to Arizona other than you know weekends, travel, um, native. Excuse me. Arizona is also, um, you know, a highly prominent Native American community as well. So, you know, I spent some time in Oklahoma. You know, I know what I know here. Um, Went to check out Oklahoma, do some, you know, compare and contrast or not um, Oklahoma, Arizona, compare and contrast. Um, I studied teacher education, teacher certification. And um, kind of funny story with that, you know, um, 
two years later when I'm graduating with my master's, I actually had my first son seven days after I graduated with my master's degree. So I like to tease my mom and dad. Like, yeah, I got my priority straight. I graduated. Not with just my bachelor's, my <laughs> master's, but I graduated. Yeah. So, you know, kind of, um, you know, after I graduated, um, you know, I had my son. I got married. Um, kind of just had fun, lived life for a while. Uh, 2019, 2020, that was, you know, our, our kind of a tender time with covid and so I, I took some time. I guess I really enjoyed being a mom for two full years and just, you know, living the life, some good and bad in that, having to stay home, but having to stay home, it wasn't yeah. too bad. And then that's kind of, you know, um, whenever, you know, my time here at the Choctaw Cultural Center started happening and we started slowly uh, helping, develop, developing tons of reading, writing, learning, um, but that's kind of how all that played out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as I mentioned, working here at the Choctaw Cultural Center, um, seeing what the Cultural Center could do, getting to talk to people, uh, you know, my my dreams, my thoughts just kind of started running and I was like, you know what, I think I want to I want to explore this a little bit more. So I decided to kind of step back from my uh, professional work as an education coordinator and just kind of focus on being a full-time student and, you know, a mom, because that family life is really important to me. Yeah. I'm still very busy and still, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really cool. It's, um, you know, and also kind of fortunate to be in that position, right? And fortunate to have, um, you know, the, the things that you have, but also it doesn't, it comes from hard work because, you know, if you hadn't had that scholarship, who knows what could have happened as well. So, you know, it might just have gone to OU and like, okay, maybe do a master's we'll see but it's i love how life takes its turns and opportunities are presented and, and you meet people and you develop interests and and also you know just kind of follow your heart and like you know what i'm into this i'm gonna mm -hmm. try this let me do this for a little bit um rather than i need to do this i need to get a job i need to provide the rest of it you know there, there's so many things to be fortunate about um and we can dive into all of that as well so the other thing you mentioned too is you know you're, you're dancing around the country where does the love of dance come from does that start from a young age well, you know, as you mentioned, this is definitely a unique way of life. Mm -hmm. It is, it's very different. I have been very blessed. It has awarded me many unique opportunities. Um, dancing powwow, my, I think my, you know, my, my dad started fairly young. Okay. Um, I think he was getting into double digits in his age. Um and then as he met my mom, my mom started in, you know, her mid-20s. And then, um, as I mentioned, when I was able to walk, I started dancing. So I've been dancing, you know, roughly 29, 30 years now. And, um, you know, during the summertime, even like when I was in high school, I was basketball during the spring and uh, fall. Summertime, I was straight powwow, start again, spring and fall. So I had kind of a powwow season and I had school season. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I've traveled all around the United States, Canada. Um, I've also had many opportunities to travel to different countries, um, not just at powwows, but I've gotten in, gotten invitations, um, to dance at NBA games, WNBA, NCAA, lacrosse. I, um, 
when uh, running mate uh, Al Gore mm-hmm. was running for vice president, I actually got to dance for him. Um, I've danced for a few presidential elections. Jeez, you know, um, I've gotten to guest lecture at universities. There's just, you know, all kinds of things. Um, yeah. Music festivals, country stars. I've gotten to open for some country singers um, like John Anderson, um, Big and Rich, uh, Montgomery Gentry. So Cheyenne Frontier Rodeo, you know, all kinds of cool, unique places. Um not too long ago, a little different, but I got to, I'm going to say almost mm-hmm. meet B.D. Wong okay. from, uh, you know, Law & Order. I'm going to say almost. I was almost there. <laughs> we uh, I had to go change, so I, I missed him, but I got to hear him on the guest lecture. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, it's given me different opportunities. I've gotten to meet a lot of people and it's always a talking point. You know, what are you wearing? Who are you? Where are you from? And so that's just an awesome segue to tell people, you know, this is who I am. This is where I come from. And this is a little bit about me. Yeah. Um, I think throughout, you know, anything I do with it being school in education, writing my dissertation, you know, there's a lot of people there's a lot of university professors that you know don't know native americans still exist Mm -hmm. that don't know choctaws exist Mm -hmm. and so you know a lot of times it's a lot of enlightenment it's a lot of awakening and it's a lot of the you know we're still here we're still making movement moments yeah so um you know like i said there's always a talking point and um i love making connections as well yeah definitely dive into the dance part thing for me because a lot of people and me being one of them you know, not growing up in this country, uh, you know, and just, yeah, I, I've seen pictures. I haven't seen one live. I've seen pictures of it and probably like most people, right? You scroll the Instagram, something's going to pop <laughs> up. Um, dive into just kind of a lot around just dancing, the meaning, you know, you, you say you go, you dance for four people at events, right? There's a lot of meaning behind that. A lot of, and a lot of people probably at, this, at the time don't understand the real meaning behind it. Whereas you do, because it's your heritage, your history. Mm-hmm. That's a lot where you grew up and, and that's why you do a lot of things you do. But for some people, they might just think, I know this is a big, this is a significant moment, but I don't know what's behind mm-hmm. it. Right. This is definitely something, but I'm right. not really sure. <laughs> yeah. So we got time. If you want to dive into that, okay. um, just kind of educate me and maybe some, educate me mostly because I'm sure there's someone listening as well. that's probably thinking the same thing, but um, yeah, I mean, just the meaning behind it. And, and I'm sure there's different meanings for different dances and, you know, this, yeah. we, oh, can, we, we can open the book on we, that. Yeah, we, can, we can talk about powwow yeah. all day. Yeah. Um, well, powwow, what I've been talking about is a, what we like to consider just a celebration, a big gathering of celebration of song and dance. You know, it's not a ceremony. Um, it's not necessarily traditional, as there are some places that do still do traditional ceremonial powwows. Um, the powwows that we attend, that we um, go to compete at, are actually competition powwows. And so um, a competition powwow is, you know, it could be an event from anywhere to having 50 dancers to, you know, there's been places uh where I've gone, where there's been up to 1,500 dancers. And that's just dancers. That's not including, you know, spectators, um, the food vendors, the arts and crafts. But um, typically, you know, they're free events. Anybody is welcome to attend. Uh, you know, we ask that there's 
people come with a good mind, uh, coming willing to learn, no drugs, alcohol, you know, a family-friendly event. Um, but typically, there are three days. Sometimes in Oklahoma, you can catch some that are a day. Um, but you can find them out throughout the United States, Canada. You can honestly Google Powell's in Oklahoma in July, and you can find some stuff like that. But a celebration of song and dance. Um, typically, there's five men's categories, which is traditional, straight, grass, fancy, and chicken. All five of them come with their own origin story, their own unique style of dress, sometimes their own unique style of colors, um, their own style of song. And um, for the males, you know, I guess depending on how they adorn, it kind of depends on, you know, as I mentioned, who they are. Different colors, different symbols represent different things. Um, Same thing for the women. Uh, There's the northern and southern cloth and buckskin. There's the women's jingle, and then that I dance, the women's fancy shawl. Um, I mentioned that uh, we have a powwow, the Choctaw Nation, has a powwow in Durant, Oklahoma. It is November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, It has become a premier powwow within the state of Oklahoma, if not nationwide. Um, We are coming on to our 17th annual powwow free event. But something very unique about our powwow is that we actually have the women's Choctaw traditional dance category. And that's not something that you'll find just anywhere. It is very unique to Choctaw country because we are on the Choctaw Nation reservation. Um, And this is very unique to us because unlike these other powwows where they are more, um, how could you say, trade style of dances? Because powwow isn't necessarily Choctaw. Mm -hmm. Powwow traveled and came to many different nations it belongs to everybody now but through trade and through you know relations a long time ago when we traveled to different communities we adopted friends we adopted families and whenever um even to this day you know when we call somebody brother when we call somebody sister we're they're not just brother or sister for the day for the weekend we invite their whole family in And typically when we do things like that, it's like, hey, you know, welcome into my community. This is who we are. This is some of our items. Sometimes you dress people in the way that, you know, uh, your tribal heritage is supposed to dress. And so that's how you welcome people in. But like I said, with this category at the Choctaw Powell, it's very unique to us. So when you come and you see this Choctaw style address, you see these dancers, you will be able to know for sure that they are Choctaw women because of their adornment. Some of these other styles that I'm talking to you about, they are competition. So by competition, meaning um, you travel these different powwows. In this day and age, we do have different age categories along with the different dance styles. You know, not only, and we're kind of, I'm kind of jumping around here, but dancing as well. It's very, you know, important for our bodies, for our lifestyle, our mental well-being. Um, it keeps us in really good shape. <laughs> Typically, songs are two to somewhere four minutes long. And, you know, it's pretty high intensity. So you're moving a lot. Yeah. Keeps you in shape. A lot of times um, people start their kids when they can walk and they continue, you know, till they can't. Um, 
what I was taught is, you know, you always, even though it is a competition, there are moments where it is competition dancing, where you are judged, where you have to be focused. You start on time, you stop on time. You want everybody to look at you. So you adorn yourself in bright colors, flashy fabric. There's competition moments. But there's other moments as well during the powwow um, weekends where you just dance. It's social dancing. It's feel-good dancing. And so that's kind of where it comes into play where I was taught you dance for those who can't. You dance for, you know, I talked a little bit about my son who has a little bit of physical challenges. He might not ever be able to physically dance on his own one day. But, you know, he can always be there watching. He can always be there singing um, for our grandmas and grandpas and maybe, you know, our relatives that are handicapped who want to be there. You know, we're very blessed in our bodies. Sometimes we take things for even little things, you know, you jam your finger, you can't use it for a whole day. That really messes things up. So, you you know, you do your best to take care of your body and I guess do what you can and feel the beat, the music, and move it the way you want to move it. And so, like I said, with this powwow style of dancing, I was always told you dance for others. Um, also for yourself, too, because there is that mental well-being. You know, time and time again, I'm talking about school. I've been in school, you know, roughly till 15 years after graduating high school. So it's been a while. You know, dancing is definitely an escape for me. Um, like I said, it's only three or four months of a, or three or four months, three or four minutes of a song. But that's all you in that song. It's just you and the drum. The music's so loud. You really don't hear anything else. Sometimes if you've got a good sound system, you can feel that beat from the ground. Um, you know, it's just like I said, you can get lost lost within yourself for a good a couple minutes and for me that's that's really been a, a mental release for me that's definitely helped me get through school and you know that's definitely just kind of my stress-free you know care releaser but yeah it uh, yeah it, it's you're speaking to my soul right now because I, <laughs> I do that in golf uh, sometimes golf can be a stressor as well uh, but you know when you're at the it's freeing right you're just peaceful like yeah, and I know it's loud and there's people cheering it, but at the same time, in your own head, you're just like it's a different you're kind not of thinking piece. about school. You're not thinking about dissertations. You're not thinking about your little ones. You're just out there, just three or four minutes of just you time. Yeah, right. And then it's a giant release. It's great, um, but also, like you said, you're the men mentality when you go in is that you're dancing for others. That also frees you up so much, right? Because mm. you're not going in there thinking, oh, I'm going in here for me because I'm going to win yeah. this. It's not, you, know, you know, there's not, there's so many different ways to lo look around about competition, but, you know, what you just said about dancing for others kind of struck me as like, it's such a mind shift. You know, when mm. you're going in there, like, it doesn't matter how I perform today, but I am going to perform for those who are like, you know, they're a little older. They can't get out here and dance anymore. They might be sat on the side, you know, they might have a walker or whatever it is. So, and you just like, you know, I'm going to express myself and show you what I can do. And then, you know, just be, just be out here and enjoy it. And then, you know, they enjoy the dancing through you, right? They, yeah. they kind of live, live through you, but that's really special to have those moments and then to be invited, you know, to be at a level where you get invited around the country too, to tick the travel box like yeah. you did when you wanted, when you were you know, kind of coming out of high school. There's, um, 
Yeah, a, a lot to be thankful for. For whether you're you're the one dancing, even you know just watching. There's you know there's been times where I have myself been a little too tired to, or mm-hmm. you know maybe mentally I was not in my right mind space to want to dance. And I have gone to a powwow just to sit back, watch my husband, watch my kids. But mm-hmm. even that has helped me. So I can definitely see you know some of the pleasure in watching, singing, and dancing as well. Uh, but there's definitely something for everybody at powwows. If you're not a dancer, mm-hmm. maybe you know you're a spectator. Maybe you're the one singing. Um, there's also arts and crafts vendors as well. We do have a Choctaw only section at our powwow. We do have other tribal members only, so you'll get a you know you'll get a good uh, variety of different arts and crafts. Um, we also have uh, food vendors that come to the powwows as well, and they're not your typical truck vendors as well. Sure. They're you know indigenous cuisines. You'll get green chili, fry bread, hot dogs with a spin in fry bread. There's you know different kind of flavors with that as well. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what Sounds we got going awesome. on, <laughs> <laughs> and and you get to bring your little ones with you. Right? Yeah, like you said, you know, you started, you know, as soon as you could walk, and you know, you got two sons out there too, and you know, even if they're just around it, crawling around, like it's such a, you know, they're gonna look back and just remember that too, right? Or not, not remember it vividly, but just be like, as long as I can remember, I've been a power. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's huge. Honestly, the truth. Um, you know, when I was pregnant, my son was there he heard those vibrations he heard the music um you know as a baby we kind of like to joke around because you know how when you have a new baby you have to keep it quiet you can't make any sounds you know you got to tiptoe around no not our kids (laughs) you know our kids will fall asleep during the loudest part of the powwow yeah um but yeah the powwow is completely a whole different lifestyle on its own it's just like um rodeo it's Mm -hmm. kind of like track meets there's definitely a crowd that follows that Mm -hmm. go to different powwows um and it is very a family event you know my husband like i said my husband and my kids um my grandpa he's actually i I believe he turned 85 this year and he's in um he's in north dakota right now with my grandma traveling and they're still dancing to this day and um you know everywhere we go we'll we know uh thankfully we'll always have family around Mm -hmm. yeah or somebody we will know (laughs) yeah definitely so tell me about being um you know kind of I asked you earlier, what kind of what? What do you? What is your title? What do you tell people? And you, you said a cultural educator. Tell me a little bit about that and just the goal of that going forward and how you can use. You know, you're working towards your doctorate and just like, what's the plan going forward with that? How do how do we how do we take that title and teach others and, and use that in a way that not only makes you happy that you get to work in it every day, but also teaches others about what it is that you guys do, what it is you mean, what, you know, why you dance, and all the other stuff that that is super important to not only you, but your history as well. Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, powwow, dancing, um, I guess my name in itself, you know, I always do my best to introduce myself wherever I go. Mm -hmm. You know, just talking to somebody, small, small chat Mm -hmm. at a restaurant, you know, oh, hi, by the way, I'm Tiata Bigay. Nice to meet you. And that's, you know, simple as that. Um, and that, that's kind of always a, a you know, a ear, ear catcher right there. Tiata, be gay. Be gay. 
oh, that's uh, Navajo. Are you Navajo? And then I kind of joke around. I'm like, nope, nope, not me. That's my husband. <laughs> um, I'm Choctaw. But even that, those are great segue, good um, you know, conversation starters. So I kind of will go into talking a little bit about my husband, where I met him. Um, be gay as I understand it um, is the English kind of translation, but it's be which is your son, his or her son. And then Tiata is actually Chickasaw, which actually from where my, my parents and my grandparents translated it was more as sunrise. Okay. So sunrise. And then typically, you know, it's just Tiata be gay, Choctaw, I'm Choctaw, Chickasaw, Taos Pueblo. And that just kind of goes from there. Um, I'm a student, you know, cultural educator. And I say cultural educator lightly, but it's actually pretty serious because... Like I said, you can go into so many different things with that. And I've been in, immersed in so much that my conversation could really take me to traditional Choctaw history, culture, that storytelling aspect. Um, if you want to get started with me on current education policy towards Indian education, we can talk about that too. You yeah, talk I mean, about you know a lot more about it than I do. And it's also, I think education is just a giant topic in Oklahoma always, uh, sadly. Uh, hopefully it improves. Even if it improves <laughs> a little bit, it will get better. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also, yeah, it's a huge topic. Like, I, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, respectfully, let's not get into that just because that's a little bit too much. You know, we can go on and on and on about, you know, indigenous Native American education in the state of Oklahoma and current events. You know, it is it's a headache. Um, there's a lot of ins and outs, twists and turns. So that's why. So let's let's not get into that. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's always something going on. I, I won't be bored. That's for sure. Uh but kind of on the flip side, while I'm just busy being a full-time student and a mom, I guess my part-time side job right now is doing some commission work for um, some public schools in Oklahoma City right now, but specifically dance schools and dance academies, dance apartments. And so this is really fun and unique because when do you get to talk about Native American dance? So this past fall, I was actually invited in to help uh, rewrite, redevelop o Oklahoma's Native American dance curriculum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a little, it's a little too strange because it's like, wow, that's like exactly what I like. That's right up my alley, you know. And so um, it's just a lot of kind of tweaking it, making it a little bit more formal making sure, you know, I have my history down, making sure I know my stuff and just, I guess, talking to the right people. Never would I have thought that I'd be talking to Oklahoma dance teachers, but you know, that's, that's kind of one of the ends I was really looking for, somebody that would really appreciate the history, the culture, and want to express it and reteach it in a way that it's supposed to and have it be meaningful. So, uh, like I said, a very unexpected and unique in, but that's kind of what I've been uh, dabbling around with for a while. Yeah. How was that experience? How was it to, you know, build a curriculum and I'll re rebuild a curriculum of, yeah. of that for Oklahoma City? It's cool. Definitely, like anything else, Native American history, mm -hmm. uh, lots of updating, lots of 
kind of a straightening some lines, some, you know, fine tuning of this is who it is. This is who it belongs to. Um, one of the most, you know, I've, I've done a lot of dance shows. I have done a lot of dance teaching. Mm-hmm. Never before to dance students, though. So that one kind of caught. I skipped a couple steps for them, yeah. you know. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, we kind of um, just in the writing of it, like I said, a lot of just updating. Mm-hmm. But in the physical aspect of it, it was so much fun. Um, I took a, a couple extra shawls, a couple different dance items, and, you know, displayed them. This is what they are. Uh, this is kind of the feel for it because. Um, something I didn't talk about in powwow is our outfits and how much they actually weigh. Mm-hmm. So beadwork, they're most typically glass beads. You know, they're beautiful, but they're also very heavy. So at minimum, our outfits are maybe like 20 pounds at minimum because you're thinking your moccasins are fully beaded. You have leg wear fully beaded. You have on your skirt or your pants typically a belt, a shirt. Then you have your either your harness or your cape, neck adornment, ear adornment, head adornment, feathers. And then that's not including if you need shawls, fans, bustles, all of that. So I know at one time my dad had to weigh his outfit to go to an airport and his was 70 pounds in his suitcase. And you know, when you think about that, dancing four minutes that's just one song sometimes you dance four or five songs but you know this goes back to the health of it you have to take care of your body you know make sure you rest take care of your outfits you know i've been going weekend by weekend by weekend it's always upkeep it's re just last week i had to resole the bottom of my moccasins because i was getting holes from dancing so much but um yeah. <laughs> Back to what you said earlier about keeping you in shape. Yeah. <laughs> You're basically, I mean, it's what, you know, so there's people out there buying weight vests, right? Yeah. <laughs> like to go walking and running in and dance around in, you know, around their, probably around their uh, living room to a, you know, P90X workout on TV or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I never would have guessed that, that they were that heavy. Yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty heavy. And um, something that you see around here pretty prominently is the women's buckskin dancers. Mm -hmm. That's something that you'll see a lot in Oklahoma. And there's same thing. There's are at least, at least 50 pounds because they have at least two to three full deer buckskins on them. And that's the buckskin. And like I said, you need all the adornment, the shells, the beads, sometimes coins, the teeth. Um, But yeah, I mean, it all adds up. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, something, too, that we, I guess we can, I can mention, is that with powwow, all the items, the the things that you see, the things that we wear, mm-hmm. that's not something you can find at Walmart right. or Target or that you can buy on Amazon. <laughs> There's a skill. Maybe. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, if you're lucky, you have friends, you have family that can make it. Friends and family don't do stuff for free, though, (laughs) even if they are friends and family. Um, There's a, you know, hefty price tag that comes along with the skill, the art of learning how to make these different things, the time. Um, My family, since we've grown up in it, my parents have taught me how to make a lot of my stuff. You know, having a husband going on three years now, um, 
I had to learn how to make a lot of that stuff too. You know, best believe some of those first shirts came out kind of a little bit, oh no, one arm was a little bit longer than the other. <laughs> but, you know, even him too, he, like he appreciated it. He knows that this is something that you don't get all the time. I've, you know, I've perfected my seams, my lines, all of that stuff yeah. now. But you really do. It takes a lot of time even just learning how to make different things. Um, a, a question that we get a lot is, how long did it take to make to make this? And, uh, you know, we kind of always, I always have to start smiling because I'm like, well, when do you need it done? Right, yeah. <laughs> because... Sometimes, you know, I can do, me and my husband, if I need moccasins, I can do two, one left foot, one right foot in like four days, fully beaded, if I need it done. Yes. If not, they can take me three months. You know, like I said, just depends on when you need it. It can take a couple days, a week to do a beadwork, or it can take years sometimes. It just kind of depends on the time you have and how bad you want it. Yeah. It's such a good skill, though, right? Yeah. Pass down through generation to generation to keep that going. Yeah. Like, that's super valuable. Because otherwise, like you said, it's, you know, it, you know, it gets super expensive. And also, if, if you miss a generation, like that, it just, you know, you could get lost. And then you're like, well... You know, that's kind of our own fault for not learning it. Like it's something that's super important for you to learn. Yeah, it is. It's it's very hard to um, bring something back. Mm -hmm. And um, something, I guess, this kind of does segue back to, you know, the Choctaw Cultural Center, the Choctaw Powwow, even the Choctaw style of dance. I did mention that powwow, what I have been talking about uh, throughout most of this um, talk, is that powwow, you know, is it's open. It's for any tribal nation. It's not necessarily just for Choctaws or only for Choctaws or started just by Choctaws. It's for anybody. But uh, even a style that I know that myself and a couple friends are trying to, um, I'll use Dr. Ian Thompson's word, awaken, mm -hmm. because we haven't necessarily lost any of these ways. They've just been sleeping, as he describes it. We're just wanting to reawaken um some of the more traditional style of the southeastern woodland, which is the Choctaw. Um, you know, currently we do have a um, post-colonial style of dress, style of attire, um, you know, after our contact with our missions, where we did start uh, assimilating and combining a fabric with uh, just European style of dress with traditional Choctaw. That's kind of the style we have now. But like I said, um, a couple friends and I are actually looking at reawakening and bringing back the more uh, post-contact style to where hopefully we can bring that back into the arena. And eventually how we have the women's Choctaw traditional dance style, who's to say that in a couple years we won't have a, a men's Choctaw style? So, you know, there's still um, there's still research, still work to be done. And I don't know, you, you never you never really know what else we can come up with. I guess there's always ways to innovate and always you know ways to mix, match and blend. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we live in two worlds and, uh, you know, the best part about it is you can learn a little bit about both and learn how to mesh it really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh just some fun questions to finish up. Uh, which of the university mascots do you prefer the most of all the places you've ever been to school at? Uh, 
I'm gonna have to go back to the Ada Cougars. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go back to ice high school. All right. <laughs> back to the home roots. I love yes. that. Um, and and because you introduced your, you, you reminded me, you told me your son's names earlier, but tell me your son's names again and what they mean. Because that I love with that. I mean, it's it's a, for you it's a cultural thing, right? For me, it's not. Right. My my name's Mike. I have no idea what Mike means. And my mum named me Mike because my dad's middle name is Michael, right? <laughs> and like that's kind of that's the only thing that I have, right? That's like uh-huh. my dad's middle name just keeps going. But you know when names have meanings and and, and there's a lot of thought into it, I think it's really cool. So okay. you can talk about your kids for as much as you want to talk about yeah, your kids. So. Okay. Well, um, I have two sons, two awesome sons. Totally a boy mom. Um, my oldest is four. His name is Tanapo Hoyo Bigay. Uh, Tenapohoyo in the Choctaw language actually means looking for guns. And um, I guess uh, our family, usually we go to our, our elders or sometimes we'll have a ceremony when we're doing our namings. Um, Tenapohoyo was actually given to me by my grandpa. And he, as he explained it to me, he said, actually, this is a, this is a woman's name. But, you know, it could actually go either way. It could be for, um, you know, a little boy or a little girl. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I won't, I won't, even though I have a little boy, I'm not going to say it's a woman's name. You know, that's kind of where my mind went. So I actually had him 2019. I started working here at Cultural Center the end of 2019, early 2020. Like I said, I was the first one in the Cultural Center. Um, The only thing that was kind of up when I was here was uh, they had a couple exhibit displays out they were still putting the writing up that but um since being the first one within the education department it was on me to go through read everything know my history and start developing some stuff right so come to find out um honestly the first you know two or two weeks or so i was reading and there's a panel in the cultural center and it talks about um the 1500s whenever Hernando de Soto first came into the contact with the Southeastern natives, the Choctaws in um, areas of Louisiana and Florida. Talks about that. Talks about, you know, these Spaniards coming over their first contact. The Choctaws, you know, scared them away. So the Spaniards left, you know, they, they knew the Choctaws were not to be messed with couple years later Choctaw or the Spaniards come back during the second encounter but this time they came with uh, this exhibit talks about their clad armor they came with their weapons their guns they knew what to expect and so this story goes that when the Spaniards came the second time that they completely wiped out all the Choctaws you know men the grandpas the boys were all gone And it said, you know, it completely wiped us out. It said that the Choctaw people were so reverent. They were a people to not be defeated that the women during that time actually started picking up their guns and going to fight and, you know, um, holding down the fort, more or less to say. And so whenever I read that exhibit, you know, I got cold chills. I was like, holy cow, like. Like, I just knew right then and there. I just knew, like, dang, I think this is where our name come, came from. Tanapohoyo, looking for guns. And then, you know, it kind of all made sense there. And I was like, holy, you know, I was just, I was all by myself in this exhibit. I was just like, wow, just like freaking out. I was like, wow, that's, 
Wow. You know, that's all I could say. Even just thinking about it now, like what kind of crazy coincidence is that? So that's, you know, that's a fun story I like to tell. That's kind of one of those, like I said, aha moments when I went back and I told my family and they're like, same thing. They're like, wow, well, it all makes sense now. And I'm like, yeah, like you never know that could be you know, a name passed down from the 1500s. Um, and then my other son, he's a one year old now. His name is Okinch Homa Bigay. And that is translated in the Choctaw language as red medicine. And so with him, um, things are a little different. Um, I actually had a little bit of trouble with him while he was in womb. Things got a little scary. You know, we almost thought we were going to lose him for a while. Um, in our way, we don't really figure out if we're going to have a little boy or a little girl. We, we wait until, you know, they're born. And, um, you know, like I said, things kind of got scary there for a while. And... When I went to my, my grandparents for a name, they were kind of like, you know, I, I don't have anything. You know, it kind of got a little scary there. Why don't you have a name? Yeah. And, um, you know, I was talking to my dad, uh, talking, you know, just kind of to anybody, you know. I, I kind of wasn't, that was something I really didn't share with my family, how bad the situation was. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm one of those people that I always try to keep a good, positive mind. Um but with him, you know, there wasn't really a name coming. And then I want to say the night before he was born, and I, I will kind of side note that um, we're also culturally, ceremonial, ceremonially active, my family and I. So we've got, you know, a different side of us that we don't really talk about. It's a little bit more in our private lives. But the night before a baby was born, um, I actually had a dream. And my dad actually had a dream. And I, I want to say my grandpa came up with a name. And so that next day, baby was born. He came and we were talking. We we're like, well, what are you going to name it? You know, and uh, my dad's like, well, T's like, you know, I had a dream and uh, I kind of wanted to talk about this. And he didn't know that I had already talked to my grandpa alone and I had already talked to, you know, I was just talking to him alone and I didn't tell him about my dream either. And um, so the name that my grandpa kind of gave me was Good Medicine. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't think anything of it. And then my dad was talking in this dream that he had. He was presented some red medicine in our way, in our ceremonial way. You know, that's something to be very respected, very powerful. And he was, he came along with something. Um, it was red something, it wasn't medicine, but it was read something. And then when he was talking, I remember my grandpa's conversation. I remember my dad's conversation. And then something with me just click. I like just knew what it was. And then, of course, I messaged a couple people just to make sure I had my translation right. And then I was like, then whenever they asked, they're like, so what's his name? You know, that was one of those things I just knew right then and there. Okish Homa, red medicine. And, um, you know, that's. I, I would like to believe that was, you know, a powerful name made just for him. That was supposed to be his name. Um, something really unique about red medicine is that within many tribal nations, different cultures, there's always some form of special, you know, powerful medicine or something like sage, something like sweet sweetgrass, but sage. There's some kind of red form of medicine. So I'm like, you know what, that, that's my baby boy right there. 
And um, like I said, he's he's a little different. He's got um, a couple challenges of his own. So, you know, that that the strength that that name brings him, you know, it's perfect. But I'm really I'm really proud and I'm really prideful that, um, you know, I've got my my sons those names and um, they've got their Choctaw first names and their Navajo last name. So it's, you know, it's a pretty good representation of both. Um, you know, earlier you asked me if I was uh, ever going to have any more kids. Yeah, eventually. And um, people, my my Nav- Navajo relatives like to say, oh, yeah, Navajo first name. And I'm like, nope, there you got Navajo last name. <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> yeah, that um, that in-law conversation is yeah. fun, right? <laughs> like, especially the, you know, the dynamics of the two different yeah. tribes. But no, that's uh, that's fantastic. And just the, the story, the meaning you know, just, just, you know, sitting here, listening to you oh. talk about it. Like it's, it means so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And I and appreciate it it, it. it kind of just, not only just to you, but also just like you said, the ceremony and, and naming from grandparents and, and just having your dad there and just all of that special, right? Something you remember forever. Um, and, you know, then you have, you look at this perfect example of what you're all talking about, right? And you have this beautiful baby boy, boys, um, to talk about. So yeah, it's fantastic. Um, what what do we have in the near future? I know you mentioned that the November you're going to be here dancing for the Choctaw Powwow. What do we have this summer coming up? That's uh, towards the end of the summer that we have coming up and into the fall. Anything that you other than this power that you're excited to? I mean, you're going to finish your dissertation at some point, oh, wow. which is probably a bit of uh, not as fun as some of the other things you got to do. But Ooh, um, yeah, you know, what, what what are we working towards? The kind of to close out, I guess, 23. Yeah, well, I'm kind of on my break right now. Um, you know, I've been going hard on the powwow circuit, traveling around, doing work um, since the end of April, every weekend. So, you know, you caught me at a really good time. This is honestly um, my only week and a half off. Yeah. Um, but I go back to school in um, September. I got to get my mind focused to, you know, do some more formal writing. Uh, we've got Choctaw Powwow coming up in November. Other than that, you know, I'm kind of just enjoying my life. Yeah. I'm definitely one of those go-with-the-flow people. You know, make make the most of every moment. Um, take opportunity when it presents itself. And, um, you know, just like this, it's having these conversations, something that, you know... I know, but that I don't get to freely out out speak a lot. It's um, uh, it's fun. It's you know something to appreciate even more. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your week off, a week and a half <laughs> off. Uh, shout out to your aunt for being here to take care of the little yes, one while, while we record. Uh, being the babysitter and um, wish you all the best for the rest of the year. Um, good luck going back to school. Uh, being a full-time mom and going back to school is never easy I'm sure it's not something that I would like to be doing <laughs> uh, and not just like going undergrad like you, you know it's not undergrad's a lot easier when you you know <sighs> without kids but you're also doing a dissertation to be a doctor you know doctorate yeah. and all the other stuff it's gonna so pay off and they're gonna and remember it exactly. and I'm gonna be doctor mom exactly doctor fancy shawl mom <laughs> there it is it's but right yeah here. thanks again Mike Chapisa Lachiki and Yakoki. we'll see you again yeah. uh, Chapisa Lachiki. did I say that yeah. right see you okay. again Good. never goodbye never goodbye because <laughs> uh, Chief Batten told me that and I was trying to remember it so thank you so much for saying that uh, and for people listening we'll catch you next episode cheers
Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, share an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Weha in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.